32nd pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the Minnesota Vikings select Lewis Seen, defensive back, Georgia. All over the field in the past, in, in, in both phases, really. Um, just an incredible player. We, you know, he was one of our targets, really starting in the teens. You know, this was a great outcome for us. What is going on? Welcome to another late edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. My name is Gabe Henderson alongside Ron Johnson and Jay Nelson. And guys, round one has concluded Um, after a 20 pick slide in the draft. The Vikings initially had the 12th overall pick and then traded back to the 32nd overall pick and ended up selecting. Lewis Seen, safety out of the University of Georgia. And Ron, uh, we did our incident analysis that's on Vikings.com right now and just breaking down why he, why Lewis Seen fits on this field. For Vikings fans that have not watched that, how does he fit into this Vikings roster and how excited are you to have him as the newest member of the Minnesota Vikings? Well, in today's football, it's not like the old school antiquated defenses where it's like you have to have four DBs. You got to have three linebackers. You need four down linemen. Nowadays, coaches are getting more and more smart, tricky. They're looking at offenses and how can we combat what they're doing to us? Well, one way is you throw a guy in the mix like this. So if you have a team you're going to play with a tight end or even a running back who comes out the backfield like a Christian McCaffrey type, um, like the 49ers use their running backs in the passing game. This is a guy in Lewis Seen that can easily come in and be a big nickel, if you want to call it, where he's going to just come in, cover your tight end. Now, he can still play in the deep middle. He can play in the deep half. Harrison Smith can now walk up in the box and be a nickel linebacker, nickel safety. You don't, you, I mean, teams, I've seen teams walk on the field with six defensive backs. Mm. It's not always four corners and two safeties. And I think that's where that mindset where we used to think if we go six DBs because they're going four wide, it has to be four and two. You can go three and three, have three safeties, three DB, three corners, and then play around with that defense. And so, you know, you can blitz somebody. I mean, you see him coming up and making tackles. He's he's a great blitzer. He's fast at 4-3, so he can cover a lot of ground if he has to get sideline to sideline on deep balls. So, honestly, I mean, it's like putting a mad scientist in the lab and letting Ed Donatel and Mike Pettin say, how can we use this guy in our defense? You know when you draft him in the first round, he's on the team. Mm-hmm. And now it's like we draft him in the first round. How do we use him? Um, I don't see this being a Laquan Treadwell situation where you say, okay, four weeks, five weeks of the season, he's not even on the field. Um, this is going to be a guy. He's going to come in. They're going to use him. He's going to play special teams as well, of course. Yep. Um, and the same with Cam Bynum. Cam Bynum played cornerback in college. So if you have Lewis Seen and, and Harrison Smith as your deep two, you walk Bynum up. Now he becomes your cover guy with um, Shannon Sullivan and also Cam Bynum. We've seen him blitz. We've seen him and have Bynum some good games. Bynum did some of that last year too. Yeah, so that's, that's where it, it becomes one of those things where you don't know who's doing what. We just got 11 guys out there. You figure it out. Jay, your thoughts on this signing? Looking at his highlights and just hearing all of the analysis and everything, the one word that jumps out to me is aggressive. Yeah, This guy, you watch him on film, and he's flying everywhere. His hands are super active, knocking away passes. He's a great tackler. And the thing that really sparked for me was watching how many times he was actually flying into the box and making like line of scrimmage type tackles. So the aggressiveness of a guy this size with this kind of speed and the hands that he had knocking away passes – even in situations where either he was on a guy's hip 
or he was having to make up some ground. He's just knocking away passes like crazy. This is a guy that I think at his size, at his speed, and as much as Vikings fans love watching a guy like Harrison Smith and how active he is as a player, this seems like a young version of that where you can get him on that field and have him doing similar things. And you've got two crazy, active, speedy, and super aggressive tacklers out there in that that secondary these two guys with him and Harrison Smith together, I think are going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and then tag on the fact that he may be the fastest guy on this defense now. Lewis seen at 6'2", 200, he ran a 4'3". This is a guy that can cover space, get downhill quickly, but also play center field. So you add all three of those elements to what this defense is trying to do. You, you definitely get better at that safety position. And now you learn from one of the smartest safeties in the game, one of the most – respected safeties in the game in Harrison Smith. But before we go any further, I know Vikings fans are trying to figure out how did we go from the 12th overall pick to the 32nd overall pick? And we made a trade with the Detroit Lions, the NFC North division rival. And I know a lot of people are like, why would we make a trade with 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 the enemy? Well, a.k.a. Ron Johnson's hometown team, the Detroit <laughs> Lions. Well, when you look at what we got back in return, we traded the 12th overall pick and the 46th overall pick, which is the second round, to the Detroit Lions in exchange for their 32nd, their 34th, and then a 66th overall pick. And that 34th overall pick is the most intriguing to me because basically we are picking in the first round. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have the 33rd overall pick to start the second round off, and then we pick right after that. So there's only one player that's in between one of our picks. And Kevin O'Connell said in his press conference tonight, he basically said we were already thinking about who we wanted at 34. So the guy that we didn't get at 32, there's a really good chance we'll get him at 34. And Ron, when you heard that, what? how did that make you feel understanding that, hey, we pretty much got not back-to-back picks, but pretty much right in the same area? Yeah, when you think about second-round picks overall, I mean, you look at Dalvin Cook, you look at Brian O'Neill. I mean, there are guys you can get in the second round that can help. And now with the 34th pick, I mean, you got, like you said, T. Higgins for the Bengals. I loved him in the first round, but he failed to the Bengals in the second round. High contributor, went right alongside Jamar Chase, ended up getting him to a Super Bowl. So that's a really coveted pick. You're going to have teams actually probably all night reaching out to the coaches and the GMs trying to make a trade for that to say, hey, are you willing to give up the 34th because we'll give you X, Y, and Z? Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens because if somebody says, hey, we'll give you our fourth round and our third round and something else, if you can give us that second round pick of 34, again, I I see Kwesi trying to get as much draft capital as possible where he can now say, I got another six-round pick maybe in this, and now I can really package that six and get Mm -hmm. another fourth. So there is a lot of things that can happen, but if they pick at 34 and they also have the 66 pick, there's a lot of guys out there that can come in and help. There's a kid out of Kentucky, Josh uh, Pascal. Um, You know, you look at the DBs that are still out there and Andrew Booth Jr. So there, there is some high – I mean, I think Booth Jr. can come in and, and compete right away with Cam Dantzler. So we don't know what the T- uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to do at 33, but I don't think they're going safety. I don't think they're going corner. Um, Tampa Bay knows they have Tom Brady coming back. They're looking at ways to how can we get right back to the Super Bowl because this dude is not going to – I mean, he's going he's gonna to be done. Yeah. pretty much after this year, I think. And so what can we do? I, they might even go quarterback at 33. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think the Vikings are are fine at 34, but, hey, other teams are looking for receivers, are looking for their guys that are still out there. You know, the linebacker from Georgia is still out there. So there's a lot that can happen with that pick, but I like it. Those are all really good points, Ron. But, Jay, if you, if you had to predict this second round, 
if it looks anything the way the first round did, then it's going to be so unorthodox. This is by far the most unpredictable <laughs> draft I've ever seen. It's You're most like, chaos. <laughs> it, it's just chaos like crazy. You know, the thing about it, too, is 34th is the second pick of the second round mm-hmm. while well, 66th is the second pick of the third round. So like, again, you're, you're within that window here. If you really think about it, you've got three picks in 34. Yep. So uh, back into the first round, I understand when, when, you know, fans are saying that they're upset about the fact that we traded back, whatever. At the same point, Kevin O'Connell was uh, talking tonight as well at the draft party and just saying they're going to feel calls, you know, and just see what people, th- one of the things that's always interesting is, when you have a pick towards the front end of a round like this and it's like the break point, you know, teams have an entire day just to sit there and kind of scheme and plot and mm-hmm. figure out what they want to do. I have a, I have a ton of confidence in thinking that our draft room is going to be getting a lot of phone calls trying to figure out what to do with that 34th pick. So, you know, it's one of those things I think they're going to be open to the the fact that if they get the right offer and the right call, possibly moving that 34th pick. But they're doing it for a reason, which is they're trying to amass as many good picks in this draft as possible. And as they've cited, they're they're saying that they feel like the the kind of the difference here with the chunk of players, especially the ones that are coming up here on day two, is still fairly, fairly lucrative for what they're what their grading is. So for me, I think day two is going to be even more fireworks for rounds two and rounds three. But for the Vikings, I think the fans should understand the fact that they're going out and trying to get some top tier guys. And there's a list of players that, you know, we've we've identified here and we can talk about later. But the idea behind this is going to be getting maximum value for yeah. those three picks. And if they can turn three into four or five in the second and third rounds, they're going to do that. And and I think, you know, the the front office is going to do everything they can to bring in top tier talent to help out this roster. Well, I think the number one player available according to ESPN.com is Nicobe Dean, linebacker out of Georgia. And I don't think the Vikings will go with that, but if they do, history has already been made. Georgia football is the first school in NFL draft history to have five defensive players selected in the first round, including including Lewis Seen. And it basically just shows you how dominant that defense was and just the mindset that they have. And they were insane. Went insane. And just understanding that we have one of those guys, just thinking about 2020 when uh, all those guys from LSU got drafted in the first round and we got Justin Jefferson and we saw the impact he made here. Do you think any of that translates to what Lewis Seen what will add to this defense run? I think so. I mean, I think Lewisine can come in and, like I said, be an immediate impact player. Um, as far as just playing his role, um, it's I keep saying it. It's not about because uh, safety wasn't on the list as immediate needs. I right. think when you looked at immediate needs, it was O line, cornerback, uh, linebacker, and that was kind of what everybody was thinking the Vikings were going to do. Like here's here's what you should do. Here's what you need. Um, receiver was kind of like a. Yeah. Secondary, third, you know, because George Pickens from Georgia is still out there. That's another Georgia kid they possibly can get. Get Lewisine's teammate if you want to get him in the in the next round and, and go get the receiver. George Pickens, I like him, tall, long, different than the other receiver they have. But I think scene fits what they want. Um, I, I agree with you too. This this draft is going to get bonkers because mm-hmm. the next three teams after the Vikings need a corner as well. So now, do they feel like, well, let's not yeah, wait, right. let's go get the corner we want now? 
So it, it's it's a waiting game. I don't know how these coaches can sleep tonight. I could not get any sleep tonight if I was a coach. I highly doubt they will. <laughs> and I know I think th- there may be a bed of some sort upstairs <laughs> that they're all just like it must be like a double, like a triple king bed. I didn't see anybody go through and th- throw a bunch of bunk beds in the room <laughs> at this point. <laughs> There's a lot of couches, but they're, yeah. they're going to need that because they had to wait all day today. But tomorrow they get the second pick of the second round. So, Jay, just understanding how crazy the NFL draft was today, what are you most looking forward to on day two? I just want to see, um, you know, I guess some of these top-tier talent that is still sitting on the board, I just want to see where they end up going. I mean, the intrigue that – think about how many trades happened in this first round and everyone assumed one of those picks was going to be Malik Willis, and that didn't happen. You know, he's still sitting on the board. Brought up uh, Dean – the yeah, linebacker the from Georgia, yeah. right? And and ESPN had him graded at 19. So, like, he was supposed to be a first-round pick. He's now going to be 33rd or later. I just feel like with some of the the talent here, there's going to be a ton of phone calls. Yeah. Think about the, the Jets had three first-round picks, and now they're sitting at the front end of the second round again. Are they going to pick another another guy at fourth, or are they going to trade that thing out to try to, you know, get, get some more picks for him? I just I, – what I'm most interested in is – how many trades happen, especially at the front end of the second round, and then to see that some of these top tier talents. I mean, David Ajabo, I know he, he has the Achilles yeah. injury, but he was projected to potentially be a top ten player, and he's still sitting out there. What team is going to be willing to to look at him and and bring him on, knowing that you know he has some question marks, especially with his health. So between a guy like him, or you've got your corners that you're talking about, Andrew Booth Jr., uh, Kyle Gordon out of Washington, and then. Uh, uh, McCreary, Roger McCreary out of Auburn, like those three corners are all guys that are names that that people knew watching football this past year, college football. And I'm curious just to see like what happens with those three those three cornerbacks. Do you think we'll see any more NFL trades as far as players from other teams getting yes. traded for draft picks? They, they, yeah, Hollywood Brown and then both Browns got traded. Hollywood, Hollywood and, Brown yeah. and yeah, yep. Hollywood Brown from the Rams. Yep, AJ Brown both got traded today. Yeah. For first round picks, yeah. So, are, are we guessing that there will be more trades tomorrow? I I think so. Be, oh, I don't know if tomorrow, but I think so because if you look at or at some point, because you still got the 49ers. Yeah. you still got to deal with them, and they still have to get rid of their receiver because he's not happy either. And so, <clears throat> I, I I heard a quote somebody said is like, "Why would I draft a guy I don't know what he can do when I can go use my first round pick, yeah. which is gone now." But I can use my second round pick or my first in 2023 to go get a guy that I know what he can do. And I think that's what a lot of these GMs are, are, are looking at because it's a what have you done for me lately league is no longer you have four years to get it going. You kind of got to get it going. And I think more teams are going to reach out and try to say, hey, we're willing to trade this. But it's it's a league that's built on what have you done for me lately. And with all these receivers seeing other receivers get money. Now they're like, I need to find somebody that can pay me because I don't know how much longer I can play. Yeah. And it's the Rams mentality of the idea of, you know, you've got these top draft picks and they're like, forget that. We're going for proven commodities. The difference is eventually they're going to have to pay them. Or if they get to a point where they are ripping off Super Bowls, then people might be willing to take, you know, hometown L.A. discounts in order to play there if they think they're going to get a ring. So it's it it's a weird dynamic that's happening because you have teams that are either spending ungodly amounts of money in free agency and then trading away draft picks like the Rams are, 
or you have other teams that are saying we're going to stockpile as many picks as we can and take a bunch of swings at these rookies. So it's a weird polarization that's happening in the league right now, and it's it, it's interesting to see just what's going to happen with some of these other teams that are trying to fix that. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way as you guys. There's going to be a lot of, I think, more drama tomorrow, and I think we all should just brace and prepare, <laughs> yeah, prepare ourselves for it because it's going to happen. And right now, um, I think that the latest news coming out is these analysts are giving out draft grades and I don't really care for draft grades um, 30 minutes after the draft ended, but Pete Prisco gave us a B plus and I'm not sure how that's, I mean, we talked to, I don't, I'm not sure how that's going to, you know, pan out over the years, but we talked to Pete Bursich earlier in the week and he said, you really can't grade these guys until two or three years down the road, Ron. Yeah, I mean, you can't, but you can. That's our job. Our job is to do stuff, put media information out there, say what we think. Um, The fact that an early – because when I look at grades, I look at early reactions. The early reaction from the fans, they would have given Quasey probably a D. Like the way they felt, the way they booed. Mm -hmm. And then now I look at Twitter – and it's starting to turn. People are researching because nobody like unless you are really a college football person, you don't know who Lewis Seen is. You right. you don't like you watch Georgia. And you're like Georgia's great, but who is Georgia? Alabama's great. I know Jamie Williamson, but do I know every Alabama player? Yeah. Nobody really knows every player. You know your area, like we know Big Ten. I know Leo Chanel from from Wisconsin is good because yeah. I follow the Big Ten. And so now when I start to see some of these tweets, people are like, oh. Man, this kid ran a 4-3. Oh, this kid jumped an 11-inch broad jump. Now people are starting to understand, like, oh, man, we we got a baller. Yep. And so that's why I do like the immediate, like, gut reaction. Because if the yeah. gut reaction was F, then you'd be like, oh, man, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's hard to come back from. But the fact that I see a turn in the gut reactions yep. um, and the, the, the scouts that are getting a lot of this info fed to them, whether it's from other scouts, whether it's from coaches, a lot of people are saying, man, is this, 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 uh, scene pick Lewis is a, he's a good kid. He came from a great defensive team. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you look at all the players he played with, yeah. they all have a pro mindset. They're all going into their teams going in thinking we can fix this team and help them get better. So yeah, I'm fine with the grades. I, I do agree. I, I do understand the thought of two to three years down the road, yeah. but Hey, it, it is what it is. Seen is a proven winner. He's played against top-tier talent. All these wide receivers that you saw that everyone was going crazy for early in the dra- in the first round of the draft are guys that he defended yep. and defended well. So I just – this is a guy – I think I think the hardest part for the, the fans is once we knew we were the 12th pick, they're honing in on about 15 guys yeah, total. Not even. And then all of a sudden we trade back to 32, and they're like seeing <laughs> all of those names go off the board, and they're like we're losing everything that we've researched <laughs> – and then it gets to the back end, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I guess we're, we guess we got a, a decent guy here." Right. So and yeah. that's why I got 17 pages of papers here because I was ready for it. Yeah, and I mean, I'm I'm ready for Cole Turner, you know, pick 199, tied in out of Nevada. But that's but I agree totally what you said. Like everybody was Derek Stanley Jr. Yeah, Derek Stanley Jr. And then it's like, wait, he's too good for us now. He's he's a third pick. All right, Sauce Gardner. Oh, he's too good. You know, everybody was there. And then after that, it's like, um, Kyrie Elam. Uh, Andrew Boo. Honestly, without those two, I don't think any fan really had any other guys. Right. Like, I think those were the two everybody wanted. And then after that, like Jamison Williams, if he doesn't have the ACL, he's not there for the Vikings. So yeah. 
people keep forgetting this stuff. Like they got a guy. Like if if we could have somehow kept Derek Stingley's Liz Franks on everybody's <laughs> mind, then we would have had him at twelve. But right. at the end of the day, he was always the one of corner, the best yeah. corners in this draft, if not the best. Like it would have been so, a still for us, for us for him to slide down to twelve. Because people kept saying, if he's there, you take him. That's like I, if he's yeah. there, you take him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, if, he, okay. if he's higher than. Eight or nine, right. or lower than eight or nine, you probably you know start thinking of some resources to try to get him. But he's with the Houston Texans now, yeah. And we got Lewis Seen. I haven't I haven't done the research yet, but my favorite one of my favorite things to do is go back and look at mock drafts mm-hmm. and to see <laughs> how many they actually get right. Right. When the experts when the experts look at this stuff and they say, oh, there might be a couple trades here or there, and the back half of the first round just completely traded out for all these different crazy tra- trades, whether it was players or picks or whatever. When that happens. The best part is go back and look at all of the mock drafts that even dropped this morning, Thursday morning, as the final mock draft. If they get half, they're lucky. And so that's where when it comes to, you know, I know everyone wants to talk about it. Everyone wants to understand it. They're trying to see what the experts are trying to say. Anytime that stuff comes out, I just kind of I take it with a huge grain of salt, knowing that at least half of them are going to be completely wrong. And you're totally right, because my mock what number did I have to go up to to get Derek Stanley? Four. Exactly. Like, I knew every time I did it, I'm like, I can't get him at 12. Yeah. That's why I'm like, what are people talking about? Yeah. Like, there's no way you're getting him at 12. I mean, it's it's cool to say. I was optimistic. But I, I, I every every mock I did, I had to trade up. Every time I traded back to 20 to 24, I got Kyrie Elam. Mm-hmm. I got Roger McCrary. Like, I did not see the Lewis scene because I didn't think we needed a safety in the mm-hmm. first round. But, again, that's why these coaches get paid the money to do this stuff. And I think even with Lewis scene, just looking at him on tape, and I'm not trying to be a homer here, but he does make this room better. Yeah, like he's a guy yeah. that that is fast. We, I mean, we talked about his his physical traits and his football IQ, but at the end of the day, he's explosive and he can make plays and he's proven to do so at a high level. Now you bring a guy with that type of energy, that type of resume here, he's only going to get better from from there. And when you have explosive players and you you go best player available, you find ways to put him on the field. And I think this Vikings defense is going to find ways to put him on the field. And now we have depth behind him or in front of him, however you want to put it, to be able to have someone that can, if someone gets tired, you got another person that can come in and make a play immediately. And how'd you feel when Harrison Smith did not play in a game and Cam Bynum had to start out? Oh, I was nervous. Exactly. I was like, nervous. You need depth. Yep. And it's youth. I like, mean, that's the thing is, yeah, it's, yeah, it's youth, it's depth. Like, we've all seen multiple positions, and that's one of the things when you sit there and say, what does this Vikings team need? There's half a dozen positions that people cite. A lot of that comes down to the fact that you are fairly thin at certain positions. Mm-hmm. So yeah. having a guy DB like this. was one of them exactly. last year. Yeah. And, and, you know, how many times do they say, everyone's like, well, you're going to switch to a 3-4 versus a 4-3, and they're like, we're going to use whatever the yep. opponent dictates. And if it's going to turn into in this league, like you guys are talking about, nickel or even more in the secondary, just needing as many bodies back there as possible, this guy gives us flexibility at that position. They're playing the be, Dolphins. Yeah, it's they be need huge, six DBs to help. play the Dolphins now. Right, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and they're going to need a lot more players to, in order to get to the ultimate goal of winning a Super Bowl. And that starts tomorrow with day two of the draft. So the Vikings basically, like Jay said, have the 34th overall pick, the 66th overall pick, and the 77th overall pick. So basically the second pick of the second round, 
the second pick of the third round, and then 11 picks after that in the third round the Vikings will select and will meet the newest members of this Minnesota Vikings team. Fellas, it's always a pleasure talking to you. We get to do it again another time tomorrow night. This will be a lot of fun as we continue to see what guy is going to wear purple next year. All these things are coming together. We're starting to see the vision of Quasi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell, and I think that's the most fun and exciting thing to see action we've had a lot of words a lot of press conferences now it's action time and eventually these guys will start getting on the field but more importantly getting in their books to be able to understand the plays because they got to do that in order to get on the field but as always ron johnson jay nelson i appreciate you guys uh, joining me today vikings fans i appreciate you guys staying out late or waking up early or whatever time you, you listen to us today so stay tuned tomorrow night we'll be right back and stay tuned to vikings.com because there will be plenty of and I mean plenty of content. Tatum Everett will have a one-on-one with Lewis Seen tomorrow. And we'll have more instant reactions. We'll have some more one-on-ones and plenty of more draft content coming your way. So don't go to sleep too long. We'll be talking to you soon.